0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, August 27th, 2020 edition. Of Invest Talk. We're 68 days away from the election. Only a couple more trading days left in the month of August. We have the conclusion of the Republican National Convention tonight with President Trump giving his closing remarks. And that means election season is really going to ramp up in definitely the most partisan environment of my lifetime, and I would probably say that's uh, the case for for most people, and that's going to be the headline for the next couple of months, but I think the real headline should be about where we are from a fiscal situation in our country, and it's a bipartisan blame, you you can put a lot of blame on a lot of different politicians on both sides of the aisle, but once we get past the election, that will be a far more important topic, and one thing I did not cover, I, I don't think extensively, it was the week before last, so not last Friday, but the Friday before that, was the news from... That Berkshire Hathaway had purchased about five hundred million dollars in Barrick gold stock, and this was really a not, a not necessarily a new decision because Warren has bought gold before in the seventies, sixties, and seventies in uh, ninety-seven. In fact, he purchased, uh, what did he purchase back then? I forgot exactly which stock it was. But it was a big position. And this is, once again, a, a play on the monetary situation that we are in. And Warren typically doesn't like gold. But in today's environment, he clearly does. He has a lot of cash. He's not really putting it to work in any investments, right? The only position he added to in the second quarter was Barrick. Everything else was either sold or held steady. Now, Warren's partner at Berkshire, Charlie Munger, said this quote a little over a year ago said, I am so afraid of a democracy getting the idea that you can just print money to solve all problems. And eventually, I know that will fail. All the politicians in Europe and America have learned to print money. Who knows when money printing runs out of control? At the end, if you print too much, you end up with something like Venezuela, end quote. So, clearly, politicians have an affinity for creating money out of thin air and i've said this before the treasury and the fed are now if they're not one they're married and at the very least they're in a very they're living together in a in a loving relationship let's say that and so that is a signal that the monetary authorities are really out of control. And our main focus point really touches, really links back to that situation that we are in. And this is going to feed into, and is feeding into asset prices more broadly. So with that backdrop, I'm here and ready to take your questions at 8899 chart. You are a very important part of this show. You are crucial. So whatever's on your mind, I want to hear from you. I'm Justin Klein, and on today and today on this program, I'm going to do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions here on Invest Talk and at my company KPP Financial. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We're dedicated to unbiased guidance. We're not partisan towards one side or the other. We're just here to distill relevant information to make better decisions with your money. And we invest alongside our clients as well. So we're here to help. We want to help you. If you ever want to sit down with us, give us a call, just head over to investtalk.com. Now, my focus point today concerns this story. The Federal Reserve has announced it will uh, it will adopt a new policy, average inflation target of 2%. Average, not a goal to get there, but average over a certain length of time, which is still relatively opaque, but we're going to dig into what difference this has, and does it really make a difference. Does this really matter? Is this just all talk? Is it messaging? Or is there really bite behind this? So we're going to touch on that. Also, with yield so low, you know that. Go buy a CD. Go put your money in a money market account. Try to get safe yield. You cannot do it. You're going to get 1% or less. Now you can take a little risk, go into bonds, corporate bonds, municipal bonds, and you're going to take some risk there. Now we're getting on our, for clients, we're at roughly 4 to 5% on corp, high to corporate bonds, but for some people, that may not be enough. So what about dividend stocks? Is that a better play than fixed income? For a lot of people, we're going to touch on that. And then we're going to hit on the oil market. Where are we when it comes to supply? We know that demand has dropped, but supply has plummeted as well. What does that mean? What does that mean for oil markets? So we're going to get to that. And lastly, we'll touch on where we are with the Trump's executive order to extend unemployment benefits, how many states have signed up now, it's kind of been gradual, and how many have actually received benefits and what that means for the overall economy. So that's what we want to talk about today, but ultimately I want to know what's on your mind. Let's check out the market today. It was kind of a mixed bag. We had the S&P up about six points, really a, a very very modest up day. The Nasdaq was down 40 points. We had the Russell slightly up, once again about four points there. So and the NYSE, let's check the NYSE broad index that was up about 26 points, about 0.2%. So mixed bag, growth underperformed today. Started to break out, underperformed today, and the big reason I think the big news here is. What's going to happen with the ten-year Treasury yield? We're at the highest close today since Jill Sorry, since June, since June 9th when that closed at about 0.829. Yep, and now we're at 0.75. So how does that feed into the market? And as you probably know, if you've been listening, higher yields are certainly not good for asset prices. So uh, does that start to break out? Something we're watching. You listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. Steve and I have recorded our answers to 34 voice bank questions, and we answer it at a rapid pace. Tell your friends and family members that they can check out that new August Rapid Fire Hour podcast anytime over at InvestTalk.com. It's free to download, and you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And now I'm here. I'm ready to take your calls live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: The calendar tells the story. Summer is moving fast and the Labor Day holiday will be here soon. But you've got finance and investment questions now. So, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
1: Let's go to Jeff in Iowa looking at VIXY, which is the short term. ProShares VIX short-term futures ETF. I'm assuming you are trying to speculate on the VIX breaking out, correct, Jeff?
3: That's correct. Yeah, I think right now there's just way too much optimism in the market. So, you know, I I, just feel like uh, I'm seeing this one heading up. So I just want to get you guys'
4: feeling on it.
1: Yeah, I would. I would probably agree with that. That uh, you know, it certainly is only a trading vehicle. You don't want to be holding it for any length of time. But if you feel that there's going to be some break in the market, whether that's yields are going to break the market, maybe it's the fiscal cliff of uh, not a no uh, stimulus for the economy uh, until the election. Whatever you think the catalyst will be, that's certainly uh, a good way to to play it. Now, technically, on the VIX. Uh, we have remained kind of above that twenty line, which I've been watching to see if we can get below it. And we have not. We have not even. We, we almost got there uh, a few weeks back, but now we're at twenty four forty seven. The close of the day, up a dollar twenty, or I'm going to say dollar twenty one one point two, and because it's not really priced in dollars, it's a it's just a VIX. It's an index. So uh, I guess one point two points say that. And so it has looked like it, it's poised to break out. It tried to this morning and kind of failed really so uh, but I think timing wise is is not terrible uh, in relation to uh, the last six months so uh, from a speculative standpoint not a bad way to go but remember only hold it for a short period of time and be quick to take your profits thanks for the call Jeff let's go to Lou in New York Wants to talk about the market
4: hi I have a, a quick question mm-hmm. about face drives about what? FaceDrive. FaceDrive. F D but- dot v. Frank okay. David dot Victoria. F D V.
1: Okay. F I- D V. Okay. FaceDrive. Face, drive. Face drive? I've never heard of this one. Okay. What do you know about it's
4: it? a new um, it's a new company that's um, is a I guess sustainable energy is it like um, Uber service?
1: Okay. Yeah, it looks Canada. like, yeah, okay. It looks like, a, okay. And you were looking to buy so it? already do you own it?
4: I'm looking to buy it. And I was just thinking mm-hmm. and inquiring of your thoughts on to, um, because it's a new company, I assume that it's not making money. But mm-hmm. being that um, this is definitely a good field of the future, optimistically, mm-hmm. Do you think, when do, does it look good to you and um, when do you think it would be a good time to buy?
1: Well, here's the issue. You know, this is, this is one of those story stocks, right? Like you said, they're not making any money. Their like EBITDA trailing 12 months is negative $5 million, $1.3 billion market cap. I like that they don't have any long-term debt, uh, but this is the type of name that you really need to understand their business uh obviously it's the uh, how's it different than uber what's their strategic plan going forward to expand and actually become profitable uh what are their fi- how are they going to finance themselves as they are in this period where they're burning capital uh, it, it's so hard it, it, there's a lot of work that goes into this to really figure out whether these this type of company that is still very very small very very little revenue here very tiny, and as a $1.3 billion market cap. So, you know, it's completely speculative. The chart looks kind of okay. It's making a lower high right now. And so, I, you know, it's not my type of company, to be honest with you. But I would need to do a deeper dive into uh, the, the strategic plan, the leadership, etc., And that's what you need to do if you want to invest in it. You listen to Invest talk I'm Justin Klein. Summer is moving fast and we're all watching the markets, headlines and serious investors need to, help, need to manage their fear and greed in times like this because practice can make us better investors. We should talk about this and your participation is as important as ever so we're taking your calls live at 8899 chart.
2: It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Now at the FOMC meeting today at Jackson Hole, the committee announced that they are making significant changes to their written policy strategy for the economy. And they're jawboning that this will lead to easier monetary policy stance over time and that they will allow inflation to run above the 2% for an extended period of time and look at average inflation targeting over a period of time. And they're also removing its bias against strong labor markets. So if the labor market's too hot, they're okay with that. Now, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Well, they're doing this, I think, because they're out of bullets. Can't do much more. Right? The goal of monetary policy in its current form is to get people to borrow more, companies to borrow more, right? to lower the cost of borrowing. Well, they're doing that. They've done that to the nth degree. So how much farther can they go? What are the tools do they have? Right? They're already monetizing the debt. They're already buying corporate bonds. They're, they're already There's a mainstream lending program. They have the power to lend. And they've basically done everything they can do when it comes to tangible action. So what else can they do? Well, they can jawbone. They can signal that they're going to be looser longer. And encourage people to try to keep up with that expected inflation, right? Invest more. Be more aggressive than they already are with their investments. Because we know that they are out of bullets. Now, getting people and companies to borrow more is inflationary. That's what they're after, right? It's inflationary in the short term. But how does it impact the economy longer term? What happens when those companies stop borrowing or those people stop borrowing? Well, they still have to support the debt that they've borrowed in the past, right? So the system requires larger and larger and larger amounts of debt. So what's the next phase? What can they do next? Well, they can directly instead of lending, they can start spending. And they're kind of trying to do that through the treasury. Right, treasury is basically giving politicians a blank check saying go spend. And the Fed is giving them money to do so. Now, in return, they get debt, right? So they're monetizing the debt. So in, in essence, they're financing that borrowing. So they're still not spending. They are lending to the government. If that ever changes... If if it's no longer we're taking back debt for this newly printed money that we're creating, that is when you you will see inflation absolutely explode. But right now, in the current environment, this is the best the Fed can do, which is jawbone. Let's get ahead. Let's go ahead and fit in another caller question from our anytime listener line at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
3: Hi, Stephen Justin. I had a question about ticker symbol SDGR, Schrodinger Incorporated. Was wondering about what you guys thought. It's down to seventy one dollars and seventeen
1: cents, and was wondering if this would be a good time to buy. Thank you. Looking at Schrodinger develops software platform that enables drug discovery and novel molecules and material applications. This actually reminds me of another company that does something very similar. And the issue is, because we're actually, we have this other company on our watch list. This one doesn't make money, our other one does. It's uh, definitely a lot bigger. Well, is it bigger? Let's see. Actually it's smaller, Uh, but it's not that much smaller in revenue. Uh, and it's about four times as large in market cap. So, you know, I I don't love that. $4 billion market cap trailing 12 months, about $100 million in revenue. Not enough for me. Still losing money. Uh, not my favorite in the space. Like I said, we have another one on our watch list. So I would look for others in this space. And this is in a downtrend. Making lower highs, lower lows. It's near some support, but if this breaks about 60 bucks, this is going to go much, much lower, probably back to its IPO price around $25 a share, $30 a share. So I would certainly pass on it. I think it's way, way overvalued. On the next invest stock, the story. For investors, there are always opportunities. So as savers and investors look to the market for dividend yield, what are three reliable stock screener metrics? That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture?
2: This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Stephen from Lubbock, Texas. Had a question about mutual funds. Relatively new investor. I I, uh, started last year in July and then uh, put more money in at the end of March when things had kind of hit their bottom. I've bought some oil, some travel stocks, bought a lot of mutual funds. And my mutual funds seem to be the ones that are gaining the best. When I've looked them up, a lot of them that I'm in have year after year, you know, five-year average been at 18 percent, 10-year average been at 12. You know, the last three years, some of them are at 30, 40 percent gains, and it makes me wonder why would anyone want to buy normal stocks just for a five, six percent dividend with minimal growth when these uh, mutual funds seem to year after year, at least the last five, 10 years, seem to be growing quite substantially. I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on the pros and cons, and maybe there's a lot more cons than I'm
1: realizing. Thanks for your help. Bye. Well, what you're falling prey to is recency bias. You're looking at, like I said, like you said, three, five-year returns. And the last three to five years, uh, especially you're probably looking at growth-focused mutual funds. Mutual funds have to be fully invested Right, So they can't move the cash. Uh, if the market goes down, they just need to stay invested. And those growth-focused funds have done well recently. But if you look at historically, you have to look back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, through different cycles of growth versus value outperforming. Value versus growth outperforming. And understand that those ebb and flow. The market ebbs and flows. There will be a bear market. When exactly that happens? I mean, you know, look at the first quarter. I guess you could say that was a bear market. When it will be a protracted bear market, like 2007-2009, or 2000-2003, to 2003, which is about a three and a half year bear market. Those things happen. So, don't think or without risks. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. Why would anybody buy individual stock? Well, maybe they have a better balance sheet in aggregate. Maybe they have better growth, more consistency of their business, better management. A lot of reasons to buy an individual stock over a mutual fund. But if you don't want to make that decision, you're looking more Long term, you're willing to hold through those downturns. Cause I guarantee you that fund, though, it's up, whatever, 18% per year. If we have a big down year, that's going to be down probably 30%, 40%, and, and probably 50% or double what the, sorry, 50% more or double what the market will be down, okay? So with that higher return also comes higher risk, and you have to be willing to take that risk. So don't chase returns. So many people do that. They just chase the returns. They're expecting what happened last year, the last three years, the last five years, exactly what you just said to continue and to persist. And it certainly may. That's certainly possible. But the odds over an extended period of time are not in your favor. Thanks for the call. And great question. Now let's touch a little bit on fixed income yields in general, right? With interest rates, are record lows, although 10 year yields rising now, but income seekers who want safe returns on their investments and they want decent yields need to look elsewhere. Especially if you're investing in like an aggregate bond index. One of the issues with the aggregate bond index is that as the treasury market gets bigger and bigger, as our deficits get bigger and bigger, that means more and more of your investments are going to be invested in treasuries, which are certificates of confiscation. Nobody should be invested in treasuries at these rates. So, The yield on the aggregate bond index is 1.2%. That's next to nothing. So if you want better yields, yeah, you can go into the corporate bond space, which we do for clients. You can go in the municipal bond space as well, but there are some risks there. So the default risk, either from individual companies or municipalities who have revenue generating bonds maybe that tied to sports stadiums concert halls etc which are currently not in operation things like that declining tax revenue all those can make certain bonds impaired so what is a better risk versus reward well dividend stocks in my estimation but it's not just any dividend stocks. And It's not just saying, oh, I need a 4% yield. I'm buying a 4% yield in stock. It's which companies have strong balance sheets, which companies are on a path to grow that dividend and have the ability to do so because of that strong balance sheet, because of strong business, because of strong leadership. And cushion, meaning low payout ratios, Low cash dividend payout ratios. Something we're doing for clients is where we've been overweight on the bond side a little bit more, and we're reducing the bond. We're letting some of those roll off as they mature, and we're actually replacing some of it with gold and gold equities. Because to us, that's a better type of fixed income prop, uh, investment than. Many bonds, certainly with more upside. And so I think gold is a good buffer for those bond yields as well as we continue with the currency debasement. Let's go to Mark in Newark looking at STY, which is, let's see what STY is. I'm, Mark, I'm not finding STY. What symbol?
4: Uh Well,
0: it's s and 500. What I'm trying to figure out ah,
1: right now,
0: the way the market is going, am I mm-hmm. better off uh, investing in S P 500 versus Wilshire 4,500? Wilshire 4,500 is all small stocks minus the top 500. Which one would be better? better option to go it?
1: Well, I would go with the smaller. I think there's better risk-reward there. Now, certainly more potential volatility, but the problem with the S and P right now and the Nasdaq is that they're so very top heavy in the tech names, which are expensive for the most part. So, you know, longer term you get more diversification, uh, and that that index has performed better over time as well. And you're not uh, you know buying in these fang names at, at crazy valuations. So, uh, I would rather own the Wilshire 5000.
0: all right, all right then. Thank you.
1: Thanks for the call. 99 chart 888-992-4278. We have what fifteen minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with your money in your four hundred one k. And I know it can be difficult to study the fundamentals, the trends, the investment options. So hopefully. We can guide you here on Invest Talk. If you ever want help with your portfolio more broadly, whether that is your IRA, Roth IRA, Trusts, we manage all those types of accounts. We give guidance to listeners, whether they're clients or not. So we want to help you. If you want to open up a dialogue and sit down with a, for a no cost, no obligation portfolio review. With myself or steve just head over to investtalk.com or you can call our kpp financial office in irvine california and send us a message once again through investtalk.com and now i'm taking your questions live at 8899 chart
2: this is invest talk good news steve and justin have recorded another rapid fire hour podcast they take caller questions at a faster pace but you still get their unbiased answers In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or InvestTalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial.
3: Hi, Steve Justin. This is Jim from Sarasota. I wanted to talk about PTY. That's Peter Thomas Yahoo. It's a closed-end fund. It's actually a multi-sector bond fund from PIMCO. I've owned it for a few years, and what I like the best about it is its, it's yield. It pays 11.5% monthly. This fund typically sells for a premium par and it does sell off quickly in a stock market downturn, but also recovers quickly. The 10 and 15 year total returns has averaged over 12%. Overall, this seems too good to be true. Am I missing something from a risk perspective? I plan on adding to my position if it drops 20% or more or holding on to what I have forever. Appreciate your opinion. Thanks.
1: All right, he's looking at PTY. This is the PIMCO Opportunity, is that what it's called? PIMCO, yeah, PIMCO Corporate and Income Opportunity ETF, or no, sorry, this is a closed-end fund, and he's right, they do invest in corporate debt, and it does sell off quickly. It was down about 50% peak to trough from the high in early March to the low in late March, so rather quickly. It has rallied about 60%, right, from its low, but it's still about forty percent below its high, right? Of about twenty dollars per share. Now we're at sixteen, and the reason is because of that leverage. It's a leveraged bet on the corporate bond space, and so it's just going to be even more risky than your average corporate bond uh, ETF. Now let me look at the portfolio in general to see how risky on average. Let's see here. That's not giving me any data. I haven't I'm not seeing the data here. Um, yeah. I'm not seeing the data on the on the risk level. But about 85% of the portfolio is invested here in the United States. The average coupon. On the bonds is somewhere in the neighborhood of 4%, but because of that leverage, that's where you're getting it, right? It's about leverage 2 to 1. And so you're getting right now based on 9% yield. The problem is, once again, is that volatility and the fact that you could have permanent impairment of capital if there are too many defaults in that portfolio. So you get into a very bad economic scenario. This could easily be impaired you know 30 40 50 60% depending on how bad the losses are in the underlying portfolio and the defaults now pimco's uh, certainly a good manager but i would be understanding that this is very high risk so with re- with return and you talk about that return comes very high risk and i would look at see was it around during the financial crisis? It was. And that fell from about 18 all the way to 6. And certainly it came back, but that takes that takes some time. Uh, so I would I don't love the risk versus reward cuz I don't like leverage in the debt space. Now I think we can squeeze another caller question here at 8 and chart.
4: Well, hi. Good morning. I just want to know that if the uh, company goes to the uh, public offering, is that good for the stock or bad for the stock? I need to know that. Please uh, let me know. Thank you. I love your show. Bye.
1: Well, if a company goes public, I've, I've talked about this many times, but I'll kind of go over it. In. It's, it's the first time they're listing on the exchanges. Now, there's two ways they can do that. They can go through an investment bank, an initial public offering, Or they can go direct, direct listing. And a direct listing means not going through an investment bank. They just proved, although the SEC approved, that you can do a direct listing and raise capital. Before, you would just list it on the exchange. You wouldn't raise capital in that way. But there's certain mechanisms. But the point is, is that if you're selling, for the first time, insiders, people that have invested early on, people that have worked hard to build the company, founders, early employees. They're not going to sell out at a cheap price, right? They put their blood, sweat, and tears into this company. Are you really going to sell for cheap? Probably not. You're going to want a nice, juicy price. Now, in the near term, you can limit the flow. There are a lot of shenanigans that go on with IPOs in that way that can push price is a lot higher than they should be. Um, but from a speculative standpoint, a lot can happen. From an investment standpoint, most IPOs are overvalued. So you really need to understand the long-term trajectory of the business, the management, and whether you're getting a reasonable price or not. On the next invest talk story, for investors, there are always opportunities, but for now, I'm Justin Klein and we're here with for one goal to help you achieve financial freedom. I want to hear from you. We're going into our last break, so give me a call at 888-99 chart.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk every Friday on the program and the podcast. Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP premium newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk, And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART.
3: Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Russell in Los Angeles. I'd like to hear your opinion about Workhorse, WKHS. From what I've been reading, they have a uh, one-point-something billion-dollar contract likely to go through with the U.S. Postal Service to replace a lot of their old vehicles with electric vehicles. Also, I know they got some going on with uh, UPS delivery trucks and they uh, outfitted with a drone to make deliveries. So, yeah, I'd like to hear your opinion on uh, what you have to say about Workhorse. Thank you.
1: Well, this is about a $2 billion market cap, cap company, $1.7 Still don't make money. And... Very little revenue, so I would need to know what the size of those contracts are, and is it actually a contract? Were there, you know, this is this is the thing. There's so many stories in the market right now. There's not no people don't even look at companies that make money. They don't even care. All they look at is the story, and that's what this is. It's a story. They literally have a hundred thousand dollars in revenue last quarter. A hundred thousand dollars. They lost a dollar seventy six. It's a one point seven billion dollar market cap. The market has lost its mind. It's insane. I'm tired of seeing these. I really am. It's companies that just pump and pump and pump the Nicholas of the world, the Neos of the world. They're just pumping a story and people are buying it hook, line and sinker and enriching these people that literally are just telling a story and hoping and praying, making people excited you know what's exciting? Businesses that make money, that cash flow, that innovate. Not a story about innovation. An actual, real innovation. The SEC does not care about the average investor anymore. They don't. They don't prosecute any of these lies. They don't charge anybody with misleading investors anymore. Any CEO, COO, can go out there and tell whatever story they want. Whether that story is actually going to be true matters not. All they care about is the stock going to go up. This is... A market that has lost its mind in so many ways. Never seen anything like it in my career. And you could talk to people that have had careers double or triple the length of mine, and they'll say the exact same thing. This isn't an investing market. It's a speculative market. It's not about... Investing in businesses, it's about speculating which companies are going to go up in price. That's it. And companies go up in price based on speculation and the story. Who's going to be the last one to buy? That's the question. It's going to be ugly. When? I oh don't know. When will the gamma manipulation on Tesla end? I don't know. They're manipulating the stock higher with buying out of the money calls, forcing market makers to buy the stock, and it's just chasing stock higher and higher. Tesla's revenue has grown up 3% in the last year. And it's now the largest, it's larger than Walmart in market cap. It's absolutely insane. Fundamentals don't matter anymore. It's all about stories. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Talk program. I'll return on Monday. Please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose over 100 archived Talk podcasts for free over at InvestTalk.com. You can also download it on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Talk. Good night.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive document in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors,